my name is Josh Moran. I'm on staff here at JMU with Chi Alpha. And I'm excited as we are continuing in our Genesis series, right? We've been in this, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. We started from the beginning. We've looked at creation the last two weeks. The first week we got a chance, oh, whoops, uh, we got a chance to see how God created the heavens and the earth. And then this last week, we like, <laughs> yeah, he just like rolled, like, you know, it was something about spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> like, I gotta have it! <laughs> and so, and then last week, we took a closer look at the creation of humanity, what it was like for them to live in relationship to one another as they were created side by side, as they were equals, as they lived in harmony with one another. And everything has been great! It's kind of like the way the life is, right? Everything is perfect right now. It was like 70 and sunny today. Tonight, the overnight's going to get down to 50. So all right, open those windows. You'll be able to sleep in the village tonight. You're like, yes! Okay? JMU is 2-0, right? You're like, this is awesome! We were meant for Division One. Yeah. Like we can hang out. This is this is everything we've ever wanted. Life is perfect, just like it was in the garden. Oh, that's just not reality, right? That's not my experience. That's not your experience. Like, like the way that Adam and Eve lived, the way that the garden was, like what happened? Why is there so much frustration? Why am I so frustrated as I, as I go about my day to day? Why does tragedy happen? Why is all of this bad around me when the beginning was so good? I am so glad you asked. We're gonna cover that tonight. But I wanna tell you, from the outset, like I, I knew I was preaching on what theologians call the fall, um, you know, months ago. But to say that like this, the past like seven days have been seven of the hardest of my life, um, I think it's probably pretty close. Uh, we have had like several like severe family tragedies happen within the last week. Um, and I don't even really want to like get into all the details right now. Um, it's just been really, really hard to be at the Moran house. Um, and to top that off, we're doing some construction downstairs. Some of you that uh, live on Westview, you've heard the noises at all hours of the night. And like, I just feel like I haven't really slept very much this week, which you guys are like, welcome to college. Uh, shut up. <laughs> My body doesn't recover the way that yours does. Uh, and so, like, as we talk about the fall, I just want you to know, like, this is, like, very real to me. It's so real to me that I have a picture describing the fall. Um, here it is. It should be a picture of me. I just want to click that. Yeah, there it is. That's me. Um, yeah. Um, so this is me roller skating on Friday night. Um, and I took a really hard fall. Uh, here's the thing, I love roller skating. If, if you were there Friday, I'm quite confident on roller skates. Um, it's like, 
like, why are we roller skating? Because I love roller skating and I booked the venue. Um, and so, but you know, we were there from 11 to one, which are like not hours that I should be awake, right? And so I was like, okay, at like 12.30, I was like, I haven't paid the bill yet. I was like, I should go pay the bill. And I was like, oh, I can wait. I'm only on skates every once in a while. And then the next lap, man, I ate it so hard. And it hurt so bad. And I was like, this is the fall. Like, this is it. Like, okay, theologians say when they talk about the Bible that the themes that we're getting in Genesis are, are beginning this story. You're like, why does he transition so hard? I don't know. I just don't know how to write transition sentences. And so this is just how I do it. Theologians say, like, as we look at the arc of Scripture and see the story of Scripture play out, it, it plays out in four phases creation, fall, redemption, restoration. As we see like the earth play out, as we see the things in the Bible, as we see these themes play out. And so the good news for you is that after tonight, you will have read half of the Bible. <laughs> we will have covered creation and fall. And so you will have a good handle on half of the biblical text just by reading the first three chapters of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have some available in the back, and we would love to give it to you for you to keep or for you to put back in the night. It'll be totally up to you. Uh, you can read it on your smartphone. You can read it. Yeah, does anybody, anybody needs one, you can throw your hand up in the air, and looks like Mitchell is ready to give you one. What a guy. What a guy. Also, Mitchell loves uh, F1 racing, so if you wanted to uh, thank him for anything, you could buy him F1 racing tickets. So <laughs> just think about it. He'll cover the plane ticket. Yeah, so he said yes, so there you go. No takers. Okay, sorry, Mitchell. We tried. So, all right, well, we're going to read, we're going to read almost, uh, let's see. Yep, we're going to read all of chapter three. So buckle up. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I haven't read this much since ever. All right, we'll take it a little bit at a time. Okay, here we go. Now, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that would be Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Let's stop right there. This may be a story that is familiar to some of you. Maybe you've heard this story, or maybe you uh, grew up in the church and you saw it on a flannel board, or your Sunday school teacher taught you about it, or maybe you've heard Christians talk about it. And, and I just want to, like, from the outset, like, as we just take a clear, like, as we kind of erase everything that we, um, we our preconceived notions to the text, and we just come to the text as the text, as we read it, as we try to understand it, it should jump out at you that there's a snake that is talking. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have read the text so many times. I'm like, and all of a sudden, this time, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a talking snake! What is happening? And it is so easy to, like, gloss over that because it's like, I, I've read this a hundred times, or I heard this story, or I know what happens. It's like, wait a minute! There's the snake that is talking. 
What is going on here? What does this represent? Why is this happening? Did all animals talk? A donkey did. A donkey will talk. That's actually in my notes. If you hang on until Numbers chapter 22, there'll be another talking animal. But we don't get this very often in the text, and so don't miss it. Like, like this was something that would have jumped out to the original audience. It should jump out to us. Let's not become so familiar with the text that we just jump to our own conclusions, and we start to... Um, what I would say uh, is like mow the grass in our mind, uh, but you guys don't mow grass, right? And so like, uh, you know, scroll. Oh, hold on. Oh, first of all, you don't. Okay, you're not, you're not going to convince me that you do. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but like, let's not just like start like scrolling or going through our to-do list when we come to a familiar text. Let, let's open our eyes and see what the Lord would say to us tonight. And, and again, a talking snake should jump out to you. Another thing that should jump out to you when it says, when the snake says like, is this what God really said? And then Eve answers with what God said. Is that actually what God said? Eve, the, the serpent says, did God say you must not eat from any tree? And Eve's like, no, no, he didn't say that. We, he said we could eat from some trees, but he said we must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and we must not touch it or we will die. You know, I substituted we's for use there. Um, but let's see what the text actually says. It's up on the screen behind me in Genesis chapter 2. You can just look over the next page, uh, verses 16 and 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it from it, you will certainly die. So here, somehow, Eve has, um, as she's talking with the snake, as he's there on the ground, we're going to find out in just a few minutes that Adam is standing beside her. Um, that's left out of the text at the very beginning. Like, we get introduced to Adam in a few moments, like, as they have conversation, as they go to actually do the deed. Um, and, like, as she's talking with him, she is relaying the message that God has given to his people incorrectly. The snake says, you know, God said you can't have any fruit. You can't touch any of this. God's trying to put all these rules on you, and so you got to stay away. And so God is restrictive, and so that's just who God is, and so you just better watch out, Eve. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what he said. But he said that we just couldn't eat from this one fruit, and actually we can't even touch it. Now what I've always wondered is that what the text tells us in chapter 2 is that the Lord God commands Adam not to eat from the tree. Eve's not there in that moment. God is talking just to Adam. And then Adam would have had to have relayed that to Eve. And either like in a moment of like, you know, sometimes how you like, you like bring things back a step, like when you're like telling your kids, like you, you, guys, you guys don't have kids anyways. Uh, I have a lot of them. They're everywhere. Okay. And so it's like, like sometimes when you relay things, you like, you, you say it like harsher than it like actually has to be just to make sure that they understand, to make sure that they don't go anywhere they're not supposed to, to make sure, like, like no, no yeah, rah, rah, right? And so either Adam did that, or, like, Eve misheard it, or as Eve was, like, replaying in her mind, she's like, no, this is really serious, I have to stay away from it. Eve, like, misconstrues it a little bit to where it's like, no, we're, like, we're not even allowed to touch this. And the text has already told us that, that the serpent is more cunning and crafty than all of the other wild animals. And we see that this, this like, like little bit of division that the serpent has now like wedged between humanity and their creator of like, is, wait a minute, were we allowed to touch it? Were we allowed to eat it? Why was this rule even there in the first place? I don't even remember. 
And in this moment, Adam and Eve have a choice. Will we trust what God has told us? Will we know that we know that we know that he has told us? Or will we trust in our own selves in this moment and what we feel like is right? And what we feel like is the way in which we should act, what we feel like we should be allowed to do, what we feel like we know is right. And can I be honest with you? Like this choice that Adam and Eve are about to make is one that we constantly make over and over and over again. Where we consider like, are God's plans the best plans or should I actually have it my own way? And in the world that you live in, in the world that we live in, this will constantly be a battle for you. As everyone tells you that you could be your own person, and you should, that you could be your own God, and you shouldn't. That actually there is someone who has cared for us, who has created us, and who wants to make right decisions for us. And that as we learn how to put our trust in God instead of our trust just in ourselves, we will make better decisions for ourselves and for the friends around us. And so let's see how this plays out. What we see is that Adam and Eve will choose to trust the enemy over trusting God himself. All right, let's pick it back up in verse 4. You will not certainly die. I've always found that fascinating, that the word certainly is what God actually used when he told Adam. You know, Eve left that word out, but, but the serpent is the one who remembers the words, even probably more correctly. Uh, he says, you will not serpent, certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And in this moment, everything changes for humanity. Adam and Eve commit the first sin. And I want to talk about, like, sin is like a big theological term, right? It's one that uh, we hear a lot, or maybe we've heard, or maybe it's been used um, against you, or it's like you felt like people have been yelling at you, or maybe it's a word that you've heard for years and you don't really fully know what it means. So I just want to give you two quick definitions for sin. Um, the first one is uh, from the New Testament. Uh, when the New Testament talks about sin, the, the, the Greek verb that, they, that the New Testament writers will use is hamartano. It's like, so what? Well, you'd be interested to know that it's an archery term. And that it means to miss the mark. To not hit your target. To be shooting and miss. Hamartano. And we talk about sin. Sin is to miss the mark. To be just a little off, or a lot off, but to miss what the intended goal was. Um, I actually love the Catholic Catechism. It says that sin is an offense, and I have this behind you because it's kind of wordy. Um, sin is an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. It is a failure in genuine love for God and neighbor caused by a perverse attachment to certain goods. It has been defined by St. Augustine as an utterance, deed, or a desire contrary 
to the eternal law. So you, don't, you can write all that down if you want, or you can just take a picture of it. You know what I mean? Or not. That's fine, too. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Thank you for the two of you that laugh with me. I just really appreciate that. Um, and so what we see here in, in our text, in this story, is that Adam and Eve commit the first sin. And how many of you, when it says they ate of the fruit, you had a specific fruit in mind? What is that? An apple, right? Everybody thinks that it's an apple, right? Like, why do we think that it's an apple? You think it's a peach? You think a pear? Pear and peach? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the text doesn't actually ever tell us what the actual fruit was. Okay, I think a lot of people have thought an apple over the years, and, you know, I don't really know why. Honestly, what I like to picture is a pomegranate. Okay, the reason I picture a pomegranate is twofold. One, they are native to the region. Two, it's a very exotic fruit, which would make sense for it to be in the garden. Three, it would have taken a tremendous amount of energy and time to actually open and eat a pomegranate. It is, it is tremendously hard work for like very little, right? Like you have to split it open and like, and it's just like, it's so good. But I picture Adam and Eve having a tremendous amount of time to think about what they were doing as they were going through this, as they split the pomegranate between one another, as they scooped it out, and as they kind of moved forward. Um, and what we see is that things change very quickly for not only the rest of us in humanity, but also for their relationships with each other. The end of chapter 2 ends with they were both naked and they felt no shame. The narrator kind of foreshadowing as to what is actually going to come. And then as soon as they take a bite, as soon as they eat, as they're there together, all of a sudden shame enters the picture. They're like, wait a minute, we're naked. Like all of a sudden, it's like, dude, that, doesn't, that doesn't just happen, right? You know, like, and it's like, what? And so they sow fig leaves. It's interesting, fig leaves are fascinating, right? Because fig leaves aren't very big. I know all the pictures of the creation, like when you see Adam and Eve as they're hiding and they got the, like, they're really big leaves, but they're not. Fig leaves are not very big. They would have been very tremendously difficult to sew together in order to cover themselves. But like, they, like, but they find themselves like, like in, in like, what? what is this relationship and now it's like now like the vulnerability the intimacy that they had with one another has now been damaged because of the sin that they have committed because the way in which they have missed the mark because of the way in which they have misheard the way in which they have misunderstood the way in which they have misinterpreted the word of god and have have taken it unto themselves to make their own decisions and they make the wrong one Chiaphon, can I encourage you to be a person of the text? Like when it comes to like deciding, like I know that there are countless denominations, there are countless people that, that you can follow on the internet. There are a lot of different ways for you to think about what God means when he says things. Can I encourage you to be a person of the text, to read the text, to know this thing and to discern what the Lord is saying to his people through his word. Eve missed it by just a little bit as she had been deceived by the serpent. 
Adam doesn't correct anything. Adam was the one that was there, and he's just standing there. I don't know if he's just staring off or if he just has no idea or he's just an idiot. Did he just call Adam an idiot? That's not in the notes. <laughs> but can I encourage you, be a person of the text. Read it. See what it actually says. If you're like, why, why does God do it this way? Or God can't possibly mean that. You can only actually say God can't possibly mean that unless you have actually read it yourself and like seen that he has said that or not said that. Does that make sense? Like as, as we argue with like God, like let's get, let's get back to the text and read it and know it and live it and love it. Chi Alpha, I would encourage you to be a person of the text. So let's talk about sin and sin's consequences. I think that what we see, first of all, is that, that sin has consequences not only for Adam and Eve, but sin is then going to have consequences for the rest of humanity. Sin's going to have con- This is why things like really suck for us. Because of the things that happen with Adam and Eve as they commit the first sin, as sin enters the world, and now we have like difficulty and hardship and it's like this is and some of you are you're like no for real i just like i'm just now out of quarantine right and it's like there have been some like tremendously hard things that have happened even very recently and all this has has been building for all these years since this one decision and this is why we sit in a world of frustration and sometimes I, when, I, when I've read this passage, I'm like, why did God even put the tree there? Do you know what I mean? Like, what was he thinking? Doesn't he know us? Often when I, when I read the text, I scream. I don't know if you've been able to tell this. Uh, it's not a safe place in my house. Of course, my house is just loud all the time anyway, right? Okay, and so like here, and, and here's the thing. As I was like pondering it this, this time through, I thought... Okay, we, we just looked at how God is a good creator. How God takes things that are chaos and he brings order. How God is a God who sits over the nothingness, tohu wabohu, right? And he, yeah, good, yeah, yes, one of us. Uh, and, like, and, he, and, he cre- and he creates and he fills. And this is who God is. This is what God does. And God does these things on purpose. It's not willy-nilly. It's not accidental. And when God creates things, he creates them on purpose and with purpose, as God has done that for you, as he did that for humanity, with purpose and on purpose. And I think the tree was there for a purpose. And I think we just didn't get to stay in the garden long enough to see it. But the tree wasn't like there to just tempt Adam and Eve, but there was a purpose for the tree, which was supposed to be fulfilled but we just messed it up. What we're going to see is that Adam and Eve are going to get banished from the garden. It's a spoiler alert, um, but we're going to read it. I already told you we we're going to read it all. Um, and so Adam and Eve get banished, and then we don't get to see the tree have its purpose in the garden for us now. So that's been helpful for me as I've been like processing the text. Like, why was the tree even there? And I just don't think that we'll get to know why the tree was even there because we messed it up before. I was talking with my brother-in-law who's been in our house this week, and it's like, ah, oh, man, like, it's like, man, this is just frustrating. And like, why'd they have to do that? And he's like, ah, if they didn't, the next one would have anyway. <laughs> you know what, you're right, I would have also. I do love pomegranates. 
Because I thought it was a pomegranate. Okay, yeah, good, good, good. Okay, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> it just wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why you guys think it's funnier when when I get frustrated that you don't think it's funny. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think something's funny, you don't, and then I'm like, why didn't you laugh? And you're like, ha 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 ha. No. It's, uh, yeah, for that. Yeah, it's because of the fall. Um, <laughs> verse 8 then the man this is this is fascinating then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden <laughs> okay first of all two things should jump out to you there right one the Lord God was walking amongst the people in the cool of the day just hanging out with Adam and Eve. And it looked like it seemed to be a time in which they would normally expect the Lord as they hung out together, as they were kind of walking around, as they were in relationship with one another. Two, Adam and Eve literally think that they can hide from Jehovah, God, like <laughs> Yahweh, the Lord who created them, right? The one, like the Psalms tell us that he can count the numbers of hairs on all of your heads, right? And they're like, hey, you know what? Let's jump in those bushes over there. He'll never find us. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like, jeez Louise. Okay, and so they hide, right? And it says, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? <laughs> okay, so it's like when you play hide and seek with kids. And you like, you see their little feet underneath the curtain, and the curtain's moving, and it's like, the curtain's got a big bulge in it. I wonder where she is. And you go into the other room, and it's like, God's just like toying with them a little bit. He's like, hey, where are you? Uh, and, and Adam answers, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> so I hid. Naked's not a funny word. Naked is a funny word. Uh, growing up, you could be naked or you could be naked. If you were naked, that means you didn't have any clothes on. If you were naked, that meant you were up to something. Um, anyways. <laughs> and God, verse 11, he said... Who, that's, I hate that that's the only thing you're going to remember from tonight. <laughs> the difference between naked and naked. Um, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman did it. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And, and, and as like every human in history does, right? Like whenever we get caught red-handed, whenever, like whenever we are like uh, doing something wrong, we immediately go to the blame game. Like, how can I make this someone else's fault very quickly? And so Adam's like, it was Eve! She did it! And Eve's like, nah, it ain't gonna stop here. And she's like, no, no, no. The woman you put here, she gave me something. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? She's like, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. And then we're gonna see, there's gonna be some consequences that I'm, I'm gonna skip over right now, we're gonna come back to it. So you put a pin on verse 14, and I want you to jump down to verse 20. It says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And then verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Because the Lord did not want them to, to live in that state forever in a state of shame and invulnerability, in a state of frustration, in a, in a state of turmoil. Do not let them live this way forever. 
So the Lord God in his grace banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I don't know about you, a flaming sword sounds really cool, but also quite terrifying. As the Lord like guards Eden, as we have not been back to Eden since that day, man then goes out, he is now banished. So what we've seen, some of sin's consequences are disharmony with one another. Adam and Eve begin to blame one another. Adam and Eve feel shame as they're around one another. And then disharmony with their creator as they now hide from him. And the Lord God has to banish them from the garden where they were created to live in harmony with the earth as they worked it, to live in harmony with the animals as they cared for them, as they named them. And now they have been banished to go out and to work the ground around them. And I want to come back to those consequences that we're going to read in verse 14. What the Lord's going to do is he's going to give consequences to uh, the snake, he's the serpent. He's going to give consequences to Eve and to Adam. Um, that these are going to be ones that are going to play out for the rest of humanity. The consequences of the sin of Adam and Eve in choosing to disobey and distrust God had effects not just on them, but on us now. And this is also the case with our own sin. As we, uh, as we lie, as we cheat, as we gossip, as we steal, as we miss the mark, it doesn't just affect us. It affects the community around us. It affects our friends. It affects our family. That our actions have consequences and that as we miss the mark, as we choose to knowingly or unknowingly sin against the God of creation, it affects the world around us as she spirals into chaos and as we are meant to be agents of redemption instead of agents of chaos. And so let's see what some of these consequences are. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I have a picture of a four-wheeler here to show you now. Everybody loves four-wheelers, right? Uh, yeah, right? Right? This is my brother's four-wheeler. He sent this to me this week. Also, not knowing that I was preaching on the fall. He's, uh, so uh, my dad and mom, I guess, uh, bought some hunting property. And so my brothers keep their four-wheelers on the property. Um, and Corey, uh, who sent me this picture, has been having some difficulty the last few years of mice eating the wires in his four-wheeler. It turns out he doesn't have that problem anymore. Um, he just had a five-foot snake shed in the middle of it, okay? And so he pulled it out. It's five feet. But I put that up there because when I put that picture up there, and actually it was a group text, one of the guys in the group text said, burn the four-wheeler. Don't ever get on it again. <laughs> like, like yeah. There's a snake in our toilet in the village. Oh, in our dorm. That's like, that's like, that's like Australia right there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a whole different world. Yeah, like, I ain't got it like that. Okay, 
But some of you, like, as I, you can take the picture of the snake down now. Like, as I put up a picture of a snake, you're like, that's gross! Oh my gosh, burn it to the ground! Drive it into the river! That's from the fall. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, <laughs> he's still trying to put the pieces back together because the, the mice did get in there. Uh, also, if you turn it, if you turn the four-wheeler on, the snake's in there. It just really stinks. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, anyways, uh, like the frustration that we have between humans and snakes is like a part of the fall. Like this, the relationship that has like been built for for years and years and years. Some of you're like, oh, that thing is like. Why would anybody have one of those things as a pet? Like, the, the Lord God has put enmity between the snake and humanity. I think there's also something else going on there. As, like, the serpent is alluded to as being um, what many of you would call Satan, or the devil, or the evil one. Uh, the text doesn't specifically tell us that that's who the snake is right now. I am still like on the fence as to whether or not I think that the snake is like the literal devil or just one of his minions um, and not like the cute yellow ones. Okay? An important note for you when it comes to the evil one, when it comes to Satan, when it comes to the devil, is like as we think about like the, the power play between good and evil, it's important for us to know that this is not a, an even match. Okay, the devil is not omnipotent. The devil is not omniscient. The devil is not able to be anywhere at once. Like he is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. He is not all-present in the way that, that Jehovah, in the way that God, in the way that Yahweh is. And so like as we see Satan will pop up in our text or like influences from the evil one will pop up in the text, it's still not a fair fight, right? Like good is definitely going to win though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Okay? And so like so I, like I just like I know like like cosmic battles between like good like like God is like um, Captain Marvel. It's like okay, it's just going to be taken care of. Like boom, done. I hope that wasn't a spoiler. I think I'm a couple years behind on those movies. So I think you should be fine. Um, yeah, it's like what movie? Why would you say that? Um, and then let's see what he says to the woman. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. <clears throat> so having been through four births, I didn't have four children. I was there as my wife had four children. Um, it can be quite the process. Um, let me tell you. Uh, we went through like 12 weeks of birthing class, two hours a, a week, uh, to prepare for the birth of our first child. We drove to Waynesboro. Uh, the good news about Waynesboro, amongst other things, is there's a Sonic. Um, and so, right, and so it was like chili cheese tots on the way home every single time. Uh, we lived in Charlottesville at the time, and so we carpooled with some granolas. Um, and they had never been to a Sonic nor eaten chili cheese on anything. Uh, so we had to teach them the ways uh, that I'm sure they have not returned to. Um, and so like, like childbearing is frustrating. Childbearing is hard. Like having a baby is like a very difficult process. It is amazing what the human body can do. It is amazing that a woman can like, like, the math just doesn't add up. It is like, you know, it is incredible. 
And then it's even more incredible that they would like want to do it again. You're like, you want to go through all? Yes. But, but like childbearing will be frustrating at times because of the fall, because of choices that were made. Now there, is a, there are ramifications, there are consequences, there are ripple effects for other people around. And then it says your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so, so the battle of the sexes has begun. Right? Last week, they were equals. They were in it together. They were living in harmony. And now, all of a sudden, there's a power play. There's struggle. And that as we participate in the power play, as we participate in who should be in charge and who should rule over who, we are going back to the result of the fall instead of trying to get back to the, the pre-fall state where, where man and woman lived in harmony with one another. And that we now deal with those consequences because of decisions that were made years and years ago. In the same way that when we make decisions, other people deal with the consequences. And then uh, verse 17, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Isn't it amazing? Like there were not thorns and thistles before the fall. Like weeds, like frustration, like when you like go to pick a blackberry and you get stabbed and like it's like, why did that happen? Adam. <laughs> and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam and Eve were created to work in the garden from the very beginning, but now work becomes frustrating. Now they will work by the sweat of their brow. Now, like the, the land will produce thorns and thistles, and now the work will be difficult. I got, another, I got a picture of my son Judah here. There he is. Um, and so uh, that is this morning, uh, right before he went to school. As you can see, his cousins have been over the last few days, so he hasn't really been getting a lot of sleep. Um, and this was pretty early in the morning. Uh, and that is a hole that we dug out. Uh, it is about uh, five feet deep um, and just about as wide as him. Uh, today we made it uh, a foot wider on each side and went down a little bit deeper because we're cutting a window out of the foundation. We thought it was cinder block. Turns out it's concrete the whole way. It took us the entire day to dig the window out and then cut through the block um, with a chisel and a sledgehammer. I can't currently feel my right arm. Okay. And all throughout today, I just kept looking at Matthew and saying, this is because of the fall. <laughs> like, as we were sweating, as it was frustrating, as it's like difficult things, this is a result of the fall. Work was not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this hard. It's not supposed to be this frustrating. No, but this is like, this is what happens. This is what happened, and this is, this is why we live in the world that we live in. And as we, as we hang out with people, we hang out, as we go through our days, and we're like, why does it happen this way? It's because sin has entered, because we have missed the mark. And as we continue to miss the mark, there are consequences that continue on and on and on. But wait, there's more. Did you catch that in those three pieces right there? Even in the midst of tremendous torment, of extreme frustration, there is a promise for the future. 
And what I love about what the Lord says to the serpent, what he says to the woman, and what he says to the man is that there is a promise for the future. The Lord is not leaving them in this state to live there eternally. He has banished them from the garden, so that's not the way they will have to live. But then in his grace, there's a glimmer of hope even when the situation seems very tremendously frustrating. To the serpent, he says, like, there will be one that will come, and he will strike your head. Isaiah will tell us later that this is Jesus, the suffering Messiah who will come. And that though he will be stricken, though he will hang on a cross, like he will win the victory over the evil one. Like over the powers of death, hell and the grave, over the power of sin, over the difficulties of life, he will come and win the victory. To the woman, he says that your pain will be severe in childbirth. And we know that the Christ will come. We, as people of the New Testament, as people of the New Covenant, we know that the Christ will come and that he will be born of a woman. And that frustrating childbirth and that difficult childbirth and, and what a night that that was. And Christ, like Jesus, will come, the Messiah, born of a woman. To the man, he says, now it will pr- the ground will produce thorns and isn't it fascinating as Christ hangs on the cross what do they make his crown out of thorns the result of Adam and Eve's sin of the way in which they missed the mark the soldiers hang the crown of thorns upon his head And as he ushers a way for us all to come back home. For us all to come back into that right relationship. For us all to know this Jesus. To know this relationship with him. That we can get back to harmony with our creator. Because he has made a way. And even from the very beginning, the plan was set in motion. That the knowledge was there. That this is what is coming. So Kyle, if you're here tonight, as Julia comes up, as we begin to wrap the night up, and you feel like, man, I have missed the mark. I've missed the mark in my time at JMU. I've missed the mark in my time these last few weeks. I, 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 I am living in active sin. There is grace for you. The Lord has set this path out for you, and he wants to restore you into relationship with him. He wants you to continue to get to know him. He wants you to go on the journey and the adventure with him in this community that would love you and care for you. And Kyle, if you feel like you are here tonight, you're like, I just don't know. I don't know what this means. This is like... I hope that tonight like, gives you a little bit of like, um, like some vocabulary, some words for some of the things that you have felt. Like, why don't things add up? Why doesn't this happen? Why did this happen? And I hope that we realize that our sin has consequences. That as we, as we have, what I would like to say is that we should take a low view of sin. That we should understand that our sin is tremendously serious that it is more painful than we can ever imagine. It's not willy-nilly. The decisions don't just affect us. They affect our community. They affect the rest of the world around us. But 
that grace is greater than we could have ever imagined. That it was set there from the very beginning and the God of grace continues to want to offer that grace to you tonight. So as we all stand, I just want to give you some moments as Julia plays. Um, the staff is available for prayer. Your core group leader is available for prayer. Your friends are available with you. If there's just something that you just need to process, like there's something you need to give up, there's a way in which you have missed the mark, uh, there's a way in which you want to learn how not to miss the mark. I just want to give you just some moments with you and a friend or you and the Lord um, to just kind of have some conversation and see what the Lord would say. If there are ways that you need prayer to not leave tonight without getting prayer. Um, so Julia's going to play for a bit. She's going to sing at some point. You're welcome to sing with her. Um, but I encourage you to, to get in harmony with one another and have each other encourage you uh, towards grace and to the Lord Jesus Christ.